0: Welcome to Tech Deciphered. We bring you the entrepreneur and investor views on big tech, VC and startup news, opinion pieces and research. We decipher their meaning and add inside knowledge and context. We also share our insights and experience with you with unique nuggets and lessons that we learned the hard way. No smoke and mirrors, no BS. Being nerds, we also discuss gadgets and pop culture news. Hi, I'm your co-host Nuno Gonçalves-Pedro, entrepreneur and venture capitalist Co-founder and managing partner at Chameleon and Strive Capital,
1: and I am your co-host Bertrand Schmidt, entrepreneur in residence at Red River West, co-founder of App Annie. We have both been in tech for almost 25 years. Nuno is based in Silicon Valley, while I am based in the Greater Seattle area, having previously worked and lived in Europe and Asia. With Tech Deciphered. Discover how the best entrepreneurs pitch, how investors think, and what are the deep trends underlying the tech industry. You can check the latest on our website, decipheredshow.com. You can also connect with us on Twitter at bschmidt and at ngpedro. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor. Subscribe, give us five stars, and or
0: leave a review on Apple Podcasts app or your favorite app. This will help other people discover Tech Deciphered. Welcome to episode fifty of Tech Deciphered, the Big Five O five zero. Today we will do a recap of twenty twenty three and what to look forward to in twenty twenty four. Although this is actually not really our fiftieth episode because of how we've done the numbering scheme over time and we've changed it back and forth, let's just call it our fiftieth episode and celebrate and take advantage of that. So twenty twenty three, what a hell of a year, Berron.
1: Yes, indeed. You know, what a hell of a year. And maybe we can start about the positives of 2023. Yes, that would be fast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) And good news is that I'm not sure if it's fully behind us, but definitely COVID-19 is mostly under control. It feels less in the news these days, either mainstream media or Twitter. And it looks like people are back to a more normal life. (laughs) So back to getting the flu or Whatever cold you might get, but at least it feels like a distant memory, but less impacting our daily lives.
0: We are sort of put COVID-19 behind us. I was just watching or catching up on a TV series, The Good Fight. And they did this funky thing starting, I think it's season five maybe, which is literally the whole episode is like a previously on But we never saw that. So they basically did a whole year (laughs) into 50 minutes of an episode. And they presented it as previously on as if we'd watched it before, which we have never watched it, right? Which is very funny. But it's like it was actually scary, right? We were scared for our lives and what was going to happen next, that was 2020. Then 2021, we started rebalancing and things started looking a bit better. Last year was like, oh, let's just go back to the normal world. And this year we're full throttle. I mean, it's the big vindication. Everyone's traveling a lot. I'm sure it's going to be a mess over Thanksgiving. We're close to Thanksgiving right now. It's, everyone's back to traveling. COVID's a little bit behind us. Some people are taking booster shots. Have you taken your booster shot yet, Bertrand? I have. I have as well. And flu shot. And flu as well. Yes, cool stuff. Some may have not, I'm pretty sure. Some people are getting COVID again, but things do seem to be under control. And I think that's a big, heavy burden that we're not really inside anymore. We'll see what happens in the next few years. So (laughs) fingers crossed I'm not (laughs) knock on wood type stuff because honestly, we can't declare victory. The second very positive thing is, uh, besides, we we did talk about recession, we talked about the economy imploding, it really did not, right? It's been an up and down year, but the economy did not implode. And if something, economic activity has now picked up again, and there's no signals of recession, and again, fingers crossed on that, which I guess is good and bad. We'll come back to the bad in a bit, but it's mostly good.
1: Yeah, I think it's good news. The question is why, obviously, and can it still happen? But definitely, I came in this year with a more negative outlook at least for the U.S., because if we talk about some other countries, some other countries might have had a pretty bad year, actually. But at least in the U.S., it has been surprisingly good so far, at least on the surface.
0: So overall, pretty positive. I mean, we'll see the numbers. By the time this is launched, you guys will know the numbers for Black Friday. We don't know them yet, but I'm assuming they'll be great. In some ways, we're back to consumers 101. We'll see if inflation is really under control or not into the new year. So definitely it was a positive year in that perspective. We didn't really have a a huge crisis. And us as consumers have come back to the table, traveling, consuming like the good old American way. The rest of the world is following suit. So everyone's doing that. And then maybe the last three big, third big thing is it's been the year of AI. Obviously, we've had a couple of episodes on generative AI and we've sort of demystified a bit, so we won't spend a ton of time on it today. Recently, we've also had <laughs> the whole open AI debacle, as you were saying, Bertrand, the whole Steve Jobs done in five days, <laughs> instead yes. of a couple, instead, <laughs> instead of, many of years, years <laughs> <laughs> the Gen Z version or millennial uh-huh. version of... <laughs>
1: I'm out, I'm not out, I'm out, I'm not out. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's definitely raising a very strong question of governance, what went wrong in a surprising way, given the talent of the people involved, and maybe in an unsurprising way, when you know that trying a very untested new type of structure that didn't really make sense in the first place, indeed, don't really make sense in the first place.
0: Yeah, I've been in a structure like that before, like a non-profit on top that owns a for-profit that is significant. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult, but you have high dependencies on a very well-functioning board on top. And if that doesn't work out, it's not great. I'm sure there's other reasons behind it. Well, we don't know probably the story all the whole story yet, if it's just the board, if there were other dynamics around it that we're not fully aware of. It seemed amateur hour throughout right throughout the five days of of social media back and forth and it was like live news they might have well streamed it I saw someone making the comment on Twitter on X saying you should have just streamed it on Twitch right it would have been easier we could have just followed it it would have probably been the most watched show
1: recently you could do a TV show where for every season is one day <laughs> exactly. Exactly. of what happened in real life. A new version of 24, I guess.
0: A new version of 24, like a real-life version of 24.
1: But back to the positive, AI has changed everything. It's been
0: the year of AI. Despite the market in general around startups having cooled down quite a bit, the AI market has still continued going through the roof. A lot of interesting things happening, a lot of noise as well, and a lot of things that are maybe not as great as all of that, but certainly very, very positive. We've hit sort of our first year of AIs AI here. It's here to stay and it, there's going to be a tremendous amount of innovation going forward. So incredibly, incredibly positive.
1: And we just saw, I think, the results from NVIDIA and it's it's clearly a- amazing. I mean, they are firing on all cylinders. I've never seen a company that size exploding like this in terms of revenues year on year. We're talking about 200%. It's just amazing.
0: And overall, maybe the last positive in our world of startups and venture capital, obviously it's been a cooler year dramatically in terms of fundraising for funds, startups as well, but it's not fully imploded. It's not nuclear winter. It doesn't feel like end of 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, there's still activity. You guys are investing and startups are still raising money. So it's been overall positive. It it really hasn't been nuclear winter.
1: I think that if 2022 might have been more <laughs> a nuclear winter, it didn't feel that way in 2023. But I think, I don't know if I would call it positive or maybe it's more neutral that, yeah, business is done. I think it's positive versus what we expected. Certainly, I expected, for example,
0: valuations to come down a lot more. Maybe it's negative to us as investors. Maybe valuations should have come down a lot more. Maybe they still will, but it wasn't that bad, certainly for entrepreneurs and startups. And that's it's great. Yes, in a surprising way.
1: So maybe should we go to the negatives or the neutral next?
0: <laughs> yes, we're going to spend a bit of time there.
1: <laughs> if we go on the negatives, maybe we go from the bigger pictures, about macro picture as well. Uh, we still have a war in Ukraine, in Europe, and a new one in Israel. It's pretty scary to have this. If you're pretty young, you might feel the world coming to an end. I guess the older you are, the more you feel back to what you used to know. A world more full of uncertainty from a macro perspective and some lack of control. Obviously, very sad just to be clear what happened. It's beyond belief that you could have terrorist activities of that level. From Hamas, I am in full support of Israel about what's happening. We hope and pray for the best possible outcome for everyone involved. Israeli, of course, with the right to defend and people of Gaza. A
0: war of the scale of Ukraine, obviously, with the Russian invasion or attempted invasion, we'll see where that ends up was already a total tragedy and the loss of lives. I think what's happening in Israel has even taken this to the next level, and it's just tremendously sad. I do think the situation with Israel, Palestine, Hamas, the way you position it and everything that's happening is much more complex. The good guys, the bad guys, who are the good guys at what point in time, or the bad guys at what point in time, is certainly much more complex, much more nuanced. A lot of fake information as well being circulated, a lot of things that are not accurate being circulated. So I think the only comment I would make on it at this stage is that we do hope that this comes to a peaceful resolution that is sustainable, at least for the immediate future. That at least would be my wish. But we didn't need
1: a second large-scale war for sure. To your point on Ukraine, I feel so sad that hundreds of thousands of people died in a brutal conflict. It feels like the last year has been more of a stalemate. So hope that it comes to a Somewhat a conclusion. I think the current numbers show terms of thousands died in the Ukraine and
0: Russian war or around fourteen thousand to fifteen thousand people. But anyway, we don't know the exact it's it's always a tragedy and obviously Israel and Palestine as well. So post that we just I think wish for the best. That things we're not geopolitical experts, we don't pretend to be. We hope we get sustainable peace. That's that's what we hope for. China <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's become a, a, an increasingly frosty relationship between China and the rest of the world and US and China. We just had APEC in the Bay Area, maybe a little bit less frosty than I expected.
1: San Francisco was finally cleaned
0: up, but this for a few days. San Francisco was cleaned up for a few days. The relationship seemed a little bit less frosty than I expected it between President Xi and President Biden. And maybe there's some hope there. We'll see. Do you want to go more into the CHIP Act
1: and everything that's going on? The U.S. definitely has up somewhat the economic fight with the CHIP Act. We just saw actually that it is impacting NVIDIA in terms of revenues and maybe other players. And, and can you tell
0: people what the CHIP Act is if, in case they don't know?
1: So basically, the CHIP Act is trying to limit the amount of technology transfer in terms of product, in terms of IP to China. Mm -hmm. That could be considered dangerous from a military perspective. So it's limiting what you can sell to Chinese companies in terms of chips. At least that's uh, mostly what it is about.
0: And it's also putting a bunch of money into the market, right? $280 I think, of new funding into everything.
1: Yes, there is a positive side to that, where it's about building in the U.S. or in other places, some alternatives, some new factories. So not everything is depending on the current factories from TSMC. In Taiwan, in terms of most up-to-date and most advanced factories, obviously Intel's and others, pretty advanced factories, but is considered state-of-the-art today is done by TSMC in Taiwan.
0: And then very poor economic numbers from China, right?
1: Yeah, it's pretty catastrophic, you could argue. The numbers are very bad. Interestingly enough, I read that the number of economic indicators in China have started to decrease significantly for the past few years. So we used to know more about China. Now we know less. It's never a good sign, usually. You want to remove numbers when it's not when things are going well. There was a recent article on the Wall Street Journal where they were looking at Chinese GDP relative to the US. And it's clear that it has been uh, stalling, Uh, stalling and Of 2023, it looks like we are not far from actually six years ago in 2017. So it's pretty surprising what's happening. I'm not (laughs) sure we have seen that, but there is some sort of flattening of the curve. I mean, significant decrease of the past few years. But overall, it looks like we are going back, And if not 2017, actually maybe even 2015. So on one side, obviously, the U.S. is doing better than expected. So it's great news. But China is definitely doing worse. Maybe the latest policies finally caught up with the economic strength of China. And in some ways, maybe some policies were I mean should have come sooner in terms of cleaning up the Chinese economic system. We see real estate after real estate companies going under. Definitely there was an approach in China if you keep building and you hope they will come. But at some point, it's not needed anymore. There is no point in having multiple homes for one person, for one family. There is no point to bridge to nowhere. So the economic value of the Chinese model of building, building, building has a limit. There is no need for more high-speed train (laughs) rail lines. lines. So some of the easy stuff, quote-unquote, because it's not so easy, but I would say what has been the approach of China and most developed countries becoming developed countries in terms of economic approach has been done, basically. What do you do next for me? It's a big question.
0: When we lived in China, we were talking around high 7% GPU growth, and it started slowing down into the high 6s. Obviously, let's forget a bit COVID around the, the middle. 2021 was a bump back year. Uh, 2020 was obviously an awful year. 2022 was again a relatively awful year. <laughs> and this year, the expectations, I think many expected it to be in the high fives. So maybe 5.7%, 56 Then it was revised down. Now people are expecting it's going to be below five, maybe four point something percent. We don't know yet where we're going to end up. We obviously, when the numbers come out, we will also need to unbundle what is official statistics versus the expectations, certainly of analysts around the world as well and sort of triangulate that and figure out where the number lies. But certainly there's a slowdown. And now you don't have the whole, oh, we still have COVID going on thing. Now the numbers are looking a little bit more real, right? And if we go on this trajectory where 2012, I think it was around 7.85% the GDP growth, this is looking very linear and it's not a very nice trajectory on that line. And China needs to grow. We're not talking about, like everyone's, like, oh, but 3% is great. Well, I'm not sure it's great for China. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> And it's pretty hard because, I mean, GDP is what? It's uh, productivity times uh, population growth. And China is a zero growth in population and is going negative soon. So that will make life very hard in terms of trying to generate growth when your population is contracting. So that's really a tough place to be. Some regulations like the Chip acts have impact on uh, China GDP growth. It might be a tough place. And let's not forget some indicators. I was reading uh, 25% unemployment for, for some uh, young graduates. Some people say, no, 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 no. The real numbers are probably closer to 40%. So that's super scary. This is not something China has known in the past 40 years at any point in time. And the whole contract with the population is really, hey, I'm giving you growth. I'm giving you opportunities. Your kids will get a better life. Now it's looking like the kids are going to get a worse life. So it's pretty scary for parents, for the population, and what it means in terms of stability for China.
0: Maybe moving to interest rates around the world, they've gone higher than I think anyone expected to control, obviously, inflation. Now certain central banks have started cutting those rates. The Fed really hasn't yet. So... We'll see what happens next year. We'll talk about it in a bit, but definitely very high interest rates in general. And That affects the whole market because, you know, with high interest rates, then you start having discussions around what else should I invest in? I should just basically ride this, right? Put money in cash, run on some sort of saving accounts, treasury, bonds, whatever thing, and just see what happens.
1: Yes, it's uh, high rates change dramatically how you rationally value companies. That's probably really the big point, how you rush, especially rationally value fast growth companies are the ones impacted most. And even more fast growth, <laughs> money losing companies are being impacted. So it's a tough place to be, especially for tech, because of high interest rate. And it has come very fast, very high, at least for the U.S.
0: So again, hope that that will get reestablished, maybe realigned next year and things will come a bit more normalized and clear for everyone involved in these markets. Switching maybe to market caps and to the valuation environment, certainly public markets seem to be a little bit more normal valued. We expected the private markets to have gone down probably a lot more, but they really haven't in some ways. I was just looking at some numbers. I think it was from the Cooley numbers, Cooley, obviously the law firm. That does this analysis on the deals they're involved in and i think this was for series seed series a, if i'm not mistaken but we see a lot more down rounds and a lot more flat rounds than we saw before but still nothing silly at the same time the market still feels a bit frothy it still feels that the balance of power we kept talking about that it will go back to investors that investors will have a lot more command on what are the clauses we put in what are the things we're going to go with it hasn't actually happened in some ways it's sort of in a bit in the middle still I don't know. It's because we still have great companies. I don't know if the worst is still to come. A lot of people believe that the worst will come next year. That will be the, the year of debt companies. So I don't know. Maybe it's a negative that the market caps haven't come down more for us investors. Maybe it's a positive for entrepreneurs that they has not Maybe it's a negative in the sense that actually is a signal for us to observe something that will come next year that will be more severe and more significant. So let's keep it monitored and see what happens. But definitely it's been a bit of a weird year in that sense.
1: Yes. One thing that is seemed to be quite clear that there is a real recession in the commercial real estate market. Uh, I'm not sure we are. We're experts on this, but the news are everywhere that buildings are selling 50, 60, 40 cents on the dollar right now. So it's up Very bad place to be. Obviously, banks are going to be impacted significantly. It looks like a lot of medium-sized banks are going to suffer from this. It's not clear how they are going to be helped. Are they going to be able to just renegotiate some deals? But taking back the building is not going to help if there is no buyer or if the buyers are willing to provide very low price. And it's coming from the fact that people are working more remote. It's just a dramatic change, especially in some cities, especially west coast. If people are not going back at the office and if your downtown is scary and not properly policed, definitely you have an issue to try to convince businesses to come back.
0: The market, on the other hand, has become a little bit more exciting on the secondary side. We've discussed it at a, one of our previous episodes, so a lot more secondary transactions. You can listen to our episode on, on exits and liquidation and all that thing. But as I said, still a very ambivalent market. Media advertising also going through its own recession, some of it (laughs) natural because people are spending probably less time looking at their screens in some ways now that they can go out again. But part of it is also driven by the polarization that we see globally around a variety of topics. We talked about the war, obviously, in Israel and Palestine. We've talked about people maybe saying the wrong things on platforms that they own. (laughs) And pissing off advertisers. Anyway, also a complex market. It felt in the past that we were at at peak streaming, peak TV. It still feels like that now with movie theaters back open, etc. There's still some discombobulation around that. How does this work? When can I watch the movie? When is it coming out? So there's definitely a lot of interesting stuff happening around that.
1: Another recession that happened, uh, the freight recession. We have seen some companies actually go belly up or some companies going through a big turnaround exercise it's definitely a tough space because prices in freight went up like crazy during covid now that there is less demand it's a different story prices are going back to where in some ways where they used to be it's not yet totally at crash recession level term of economics but it is definitely a recession if you compare to a year ago or two years ago and one of our favorite ones, the Silicon Valley
0: Bank crisis. <laughs> Those exciting moments earlier this year where we're all like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Yes. Silicon Valley Bank still exists. It's now owned by First Citizens. We obviously had First Republic also being taken over by J.P. Morgan Chase. We've talked about it in previous episodes, but that was exciting in a really <laughs> dramatic way. <laughs> in a very bad way, by the way. That's not a fun drama. It was not fun. It was a a tough couple of days until that famous Sunday announcement from Janet Yellen and the Fed. Like everyone was like, thank God for that. And then obviously we had the Credit Suisse thing and UBS piece and everyone thought, oh, we're going to have more of this. We're going to have more banks and nothing then happened. So I guess that was good news. That should go in our positive column. Once that whole UBS thing happened with CSFB, or I think they were just called Credit Suisse by the end, everything stopped, which was good. And we haven't had any other bank runs. The world doesn't seem to be dying on the financial services side. So that was good.
1: SaaS, B2B SaaS, software as a service. I think it has been tough for most companies in SaaS since 2022. 2023 was also a tough year. Definitely there is consolidation happening from companies buying from vendors. So that means that if you are just a nice-to-have product, life is probably very hard, the more necessary you are. The better your position, especially if you are not easily displaced. But it has been uh, now two tough years, I think, for B2B SaaS. And I would say investors, entrepreneurs are reviewing valuation and targets in terms of growth. It's a different world. There was definitely a huge bubble there. We talked about it in the past. And now it's less
0: of a bubble. Now it's obviously a little bit more neutral. Maybe some assets are still too downmarked. We'll see how it evolves into next year. But honestly, I feel it's now more valuations now are evolving more naturally. There was definitely a bubble there that needed to pop. Now we will go hopefully back to a state where valuations a little bit over time go back to normal. Crypto winter, winter is not coming. Winter has been here for a while. (laughs) From the drama of obviously FTX, SBF, and at least he's been convicted. We'll see what happens next year on his sentencing. We just saw the SEC situation with Binance and CZ and that's a huge settlement for binance, and obviously c z not involved anymore in the company, but it's more than that so it's been a rough year. it's been a year where very visibly everyone was that was very, very bullish on crypto on blockchain et cetera in most cases has had to step back a bit at the same time. we have seen finally things coming out that are interesting and some interesting applications, but again, it's definitely almost like now a scarlet letter and you have to be a bit thoughtful on how you mention it and thoughtful about it. It's natural. It's sort of the the cycle that we know happens with all these big shifts in technology or in technological trends. So it's natural that this happened. I'm pretty sure next year will be better. Well, fingers crossed, at least on it, that we don't have any more fraud or any more significant issues that involve SECs and stuff like that. We'll see.
1: It's not clear. Just to clarify, I'm not sure it's fraud versus anti-money laundering violations of sanction.
0: No, no, but fraud was SBF, right? SBF, he was convicted of fraud.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: SBF, yes. Yes, sorry. CZ, I was saying it's related to to other aspects of of what happened at Binance, right? It was around KYC and it was around AML, etc.
1: Yeah, KYC. And it's right now, it's a deal with the DOJ, but my understanding is that there are still some pending other lawsuits, including from the SEC. So it's not yet fully over yet. Understood. Okay, so it's DOJ that they did the settlement with? Yes, but maybe another point is that it looks like they are in good shape, at least from far. It's not great what happened, but at the same time it feels like it's not like an FTX where it's a house of cards and the next few weeks this is over. I don't have this impression from Binance, at least at this stage from what I read. Interesting. Okay, so it might not be over on that side. Fascinating stuff.
0: Regulators also doing their job hopefully. But more regulation, more regulation.
1: (laughs) Yes, more regulations coming. It looks like especially in AI, there has been an executive order on AI in the US a few weeks ago. There has been a new responsible AI association started by some VCs. Which, by the way, is done to avoid
0: that the actual regulation is significant because the executive order seems to be sort of behave-or-else type executive order. <laughs> and they're like, well, then let's be responsible. <laughs> I feel it's like a preemptive move.
1: I'm not so sure, because regulation require an act of Congress, real regulation, so that executive order could be signed in a day by a new president. It's a very weak type of regulation. But, but that's
0: exactly my point. The whole association that's created by VCs, etc., is a preemptive move. That the industry starts getting its act together around how it behaves.
1: Yeah, my point is more that I was not seeing Congress doing anything. (laughs) Yes. Because it's gridlocked, So it's a preemptive move against what? Something that would not have happened anyway. It's a question mark for me. I don't have the impression that Congress will legislate anything in 2024. I could be wrong, but I think on the AI topic, it might not have gone through at all anyway. But you're right. It might have preempted that. It's tough to say. What is clear is that in the EU, it looks like it has been derailed because there was an AI Act in preparation, but it looks like it was derailed. It's not clear when it will go back on track. So interestingly enough, <laughs> the US has more regulations now on AI than the EU, which is, might be a first. Surprising, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a first. But the EU uh, still passed the EU Digital Service Act, DSA, in 2022, with enforcement uh, starting in 2023, a lot of people in the US have raised questions around is it stifling uh, free speech? I would be shocked if it really impacts how American users of any service would be impacted, but I could be wrong. It would be clear that in Europe it might be a different story at this stage. But at the same time, pure free speech is not as a clear given right in Europe versus the US.
0: So the Digital Services Act, Digital Markets Act, we'll see what's the impact of that and how that ripples, for example, in the U.S. as well. Because we know that sometimes the U.S., certainly some states like California, tend to go and look at what the EU has done and see, oh, maybe there's something there we can do. We've seen that, for example, with privacy
1: laws in the past. Indeed, California is so big as an economy and it's so hard to make an exception for California when you sell services. Or when you propose products online, that you might be forced to basically be regulated by the first states ready to regulate until Congress comes with more federal level regulations. Maybe to
0: finalize the recap on 2023, on the neutral side, we've already alluded to a couple of these points, but public markets have been up and down, but overall they've been okay. And then valuations have come down in public markets, less down on the private market side, particularly in early stage than I expected it. As I said, I'm not sure there's a delay here or if it just will not happen at all. But we haven't seen really the dramatic decreases in valuation. As I said, there's been definitely more down rounds and flat rounds this year, for sure. The data is showing that. But at the same time, the deaths of companies have been not as much as I would expect it. And I know I'm probably just wishing for the worst, but I'm not. It's just, I think, expected there to be a little bit more companies failing that would have difficulty in raising. And that really hasn't happened at the scale that maybe at least I predicted.
1: Yeah, I think valuations went down in late stage. I think it went down more strongly. What does also probably help is that there has been a lot of investors willing to provide bridge financing. Uh, trying to bridge the gap if valuations would have been too harsh for a new run led by new investors. So I think that has helped buffer, but it's not clear it will be there for next year.
0: So overall, Bertrand, what's your verdict? Was this a positive year, neutral year, a negative year, something in between, slightly negative, slightly positive? What's your view?
1: I would like to say uh, I was in a way positively surprised that it didn't go worse, but definitely the new one in Israel the bad economic situation in China, that's tough ones. But I would say overall was probably slightly positive on 2023. AI is definitely, at least generative AI, LLMs have been very game-changing and it's always amazing to see so much innovation happening all at once.
0: I agree with you. For me, it's a slightly positive year. It's been a super weird year. Super weird. A lot of different signals coming from it. Very noisy, very complex. They're slightly positive, definitely above my expectations for, for 2023. And in some ways on the more micro side, a lot driven by AI and the fact that that has probably pulled the private market and the early stage private market up in terms of funding, unduly so, and also in valuation. So that might have been the pushing of the boats up that we didn't quite anticipate for this year. On the macro side, in general, it's been okay. No real significant recession. Obviously, we've seen recessions in some specific industries, but not like an overall macro economic stage. The war in Israel and Palestine is not just a tragedy, a human tragedy, which is the biggest of all tragedies, but also like it's just put a, I think, coming at the time that it did it's just we'll see what happens next year i mean this like this was not good it will not be good for a long time besides as i said the most important piece which is the human tragedy
1: sometimes i have the impression that the macro side of the world was kind of on pause for (laughs) a decade or so and these big natural disasters were on pause but no the real world is coming back with a vengeance in some ways it's not black swan anymore. If they were happening all the time, they're not black swans anymore, right? It's like we've had
0: three years and a bit of things that we would say are black swans, but it's like they're now happening all the time. So a black swan now would be a time of prosperity and peace. Would that be a black swan, I guess? I don't know. It's just very sad to see where we are when it comes to wars. Obviously, we had the pandemic. Wishing for
1: the best. Wishing that we get out of this. Let's not forget also that these wars are the ones on our radar because of where we live, who we are. But at the same time, there has been some wars killing lots of people happening for years. And we should not forget about that either, even if they were not on the first page of most newspapers. We do not wish to underplay
0: any wars or military conflicts that are happening all over the world. And some of them, as you said, for quite a long time. So moving to 2024, what do we expect, and let's start at macro level, election year in the US. So this is going to be
1: fun. <laughs> <laughs> the fun is back. It will be that this year, this year, this election year, 2024. I don't know how it's possible to imagine even more big titles in the press on Twitter. <laughs> so here next, I don't know how more divisive it can even become, but I guess it will be every all the time. Is for people in the U.S. We will keep hearing about it. And it will have, just to be clear, a very significant impact on end of year 2025, because as we just discussed, every executive orders can be re in a day. And typically, new president <laughs> means let's resign as fast as possible what my predecessor did where I can't do it easily. That will be the question of what will the new Congress look like. So there will be a lot of question marks or a lot of bets waiting to see what's going to happen. So maybe some decision will wait this year until end of year. Yeah, so we have
0: everything happening for the nominations for the Democrats and for the Republicans beginning of the year, right, up to mid of the year. And then we have election in November 5th, 2024. So we're going to have, I think, a lot of media cycles and all of this stuff. We'll see what happens. And then weeks of opening the ballot. (laughs) And then weeks of opening the ballots. And then when the election happens, we know something is going to happen. We know that something is going to happen because last time something happened and we know that something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. There's going to be fights on both sides. There's going to be questioning the votes and be fraud. And was there fraud? There wasn't fraud. And close election. It's it's going to be, again, a mess of epic proportions. And we are interested in seeing what happens.
1: (laughs) Yes. And let's hope for a good election. yeah, as good as it could be.
0: Let's hope for no violence. Let's hope for
1: at least, at least it's words.
0: This time around, (laughs) there isn't actual violence and stuff happening. I laugh not because this is funny. I laugh because I hope for the best. Let's hope for the best.
1: Of course, there is a question. Can China go back to growth and growing faster than the US? That would be a big question. I certainly hope for China that it grows better and find a better path. I cannot say I'm very confident at this stage. It looks like some uh, problems are pretty endemic. It's been uh, maybe two decades and decades. We talk about the level of bad debt that has been issued in China. It has been all over for years, and it looks like it might be the time where all of this is not working anymore. And I will say some policies in China have not been business friendly at all, to say the least. I'm not super positive economically. I hope it, it changes direction, but I'm not positive. At
0: least let's hope that the discussions we have about China
1: are around economy,
0: and there we have no other discussions around China around something else (laughs) yes (laughs) like military stuff let's hope it's economic discussions around China and what's happening around China economically and how the relationship with the rest of the world is going etc that that would be a good year 2024
1: Yes, that will be the question. I mean, it's probably more and more clear. The world is becoming more multipolar, with not just the U.S. leading the world, but China as well. What does it mean? Does it mean that we have more conflicts happening over the years? Azerbaijan seems to be pretty restless. Serbia could be restless. Hopefully nothing happens around Taiwan. So it's not clear where the next one might come from, and hopefully nothing comes. But it feels like there are quite a few possible hotspots for next year and beyond.
0: As i said we 're not experts in geopolitics or military advancements or wars. We're definitely not your source of truth on that, but sort of the strategist in me says, i mean if we 're having a hot spot in the Middle East, if we have the hot spot around sort of Eastern Europe into central Europe I mean I just hope there isn't anything funky that happens more around those regions because at some point this becomes propagated and everyone keeps saying hopefully no world war no world war no allies versus whatever and just let's hope that we get to peace as I said sustainable peace in these places that's the wish that we don't have more conflicts next year but obviously there's a significant amount of risks there
1: yes and of course all of this has an impact on the business world that's why we talk about it rates higher longer that's a big question Uh, hopefully not hopefully there'll be cuts huh Hopefully,
0: we'll see cuts in rates and things will go back to normal a little bit. It's a bit silly, no?
1: I don't know. I'm definitely worried that there is still some price pressure on salaries, on rent. I mean, we have seen bargaining from unions. I mean, we have unions who sign like 40% salary increase over four years. That's what happened in Detroit. I think there were even higher increase of salaries negotiated within airlines So this is going to hit, and I don't think they will be the only one to realize they can collectively bargain. We got Hollywood (laughs) also going on strike. I'm pretty worried that there are some elements that are not going to make it easy to go back to 2% inflation, which used to be the target. So I don't know. It's tough for me to say for sure. There will probably be less demand. That should help. But at the same time, it's not clear that some root cause of of inflation will really be taken care of and are not already deeply embedded for the next few years.
0: We've had the discussion around recession for a while, as I said, uh, in one of the previous episodes, I've now sort of given it away because it's been over a year that we've been talking about it and it hasn't happened. There's still some doubts whether it will happen next year overall, actually. We'll have economic recession in countries like the US or other parts of the world. It doesn't look like it, right? I mean, growth is still really nice and healthy. But will there be recession, for example, in retail, the big reckoning? People went back out, they started buying things, they started doing things. But now everyone's like, well, wait a bit. maybe we need to save a bit now. <laughs> We're not all going to die. There isn't going to be a pandemic, before hopefully, anytime soon. So that's still areas of great risk. Will we see recession in specific spaces or not? And this economic stability, will it sort of propagate into 2024 and we'll have a nice uplift through the year?
1: Yeah, there are some ominous signs. In terms of credit card default, and of course, credit card rates depend on uh, the overall rates from the Fed, so they are higher than ever, which just in itself, increased risk of default It seems clear there is some economic weakness, at least from some groups, and that might trigger a retail recession. Obviously, we'll know pretty soon because Thanksgiving is coming, Black Friday is coming, end of year is coming. We'll have a big visibility on Q4, which is a huge indicator that every retailer is following. So in a way, we will know very soon.
0: My belief is this year was going to be strong. I have questions about next year. We'll see what happens next year. I believe this year is going to be strong. It's a year of people going back out, right? But to your point, I mean, default has increased. We see that with businesses as well. So I mean, businesses having a bad debt increase in um, tax liens and a couple of other things that are happening in the market. So, so things are not as rosy as they may seem. There is a lot of propagation here of economic growth that is really induced by leverage, right? by people borrowing or using their credit cards, businesses borrowing as well and using their credit cards. So I don't think the reckoning is going to happen anytime soon, but there might be a reckoning next year. Let's keep fingers crossed on that.
1: I was reading that uh, car loans were very bad, that car repossessions were at a all-time high. So people have trouble to pay some of these big loans, pay them back. It's a bad indicator. So let's see. In terms of
0: tech, hopefully we'll have public markets coming back. And so there will be more IPOs next year and certainly more successful IPOs next year. Probably not early in the year. We'll see that first quarter into second quarter is always a good proxy, but maybe later in the year. We think likely there's going to be certainly more M&A, maybe even more mid-market and high market cap M&A, so big deals. Although it wasn't a bad year. I mean, it was a bad year in terms of volume and obviously overall scale, but certainly we had some big blockbuster deals as well, as we discussed in the last episode. I hope the valuations will realign a little bit more, that we go to a market where the norm is now a little bit different that the norm is not you're coming out for a series C you have to be at least worth 20 million post money i mean that's not normal and so hopefully there will be a further realignment there i also do hope that there isn't a full implosion of valuations because if there's a full implosion of valuations it means that the market has just gone nuclear for a bit it's certainly the early stage market so something in between we think would be would be good the current signals we have lead us to believe that's a possibility at the very least. I won't make any prognosis in it. But those two markets me are interesting, right? You know, what happens with public markets, IPOs, M&A, and then what happens early stage valuations is pretty important and pretty vital for the health of equities in general.
1: Yes. I don't have anything to add here.
0: Cool stuff. Regulation and tech, we think there's going to be more, uh, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not. There might be more. It's likely going to be more. (laughs) You're going to have more stuff next year (laughs) and more
0: enforcement. (laughs) So fingers crossed on that. Let's see if we don't destroy innovation through it all. At the same time, I think both of us have manifested that in the past. I'm speaking for Bertrand. He can speak for himself as well. but. Certainly, I do believe that there was more regulation warranted in technology, right? And certainly consumer protection, privacy, and all that stuff. So, so there's definitely a few areas where we definitely need need more protection.
1: I think there is some where we need, and I think some where it feels like really way too early. PKI, for instance. I mean, AI is doing some great stuff, but uh, SQL database were great 40 years ago. Did we start to regulate SQL database once they started? no. And actually, that's raising a lot of questions. Do you regulate the core technology or do you regulate the application of the technology? If you need any regulation at all, I would definitely go in the later camp of regulating the application, not some core technologies. And that gets me really worried that, well, you know, that, that bright, shiny spot in the U.S. and maybe overall in the world has been tech. Because tech is basically today, it's not as if there is population that keeps growing. So if you want to keep growing GDP, you need to keep increasing efficiency and productivity. How is it going to happen? Mostly through technology development. So if you destroy that pillar of growth, and it's really that one pillar of growth, then it's going to go bad. And I'm very worried we are regulating before it make any real sense because it's just too early, too young. You don't know where it's going.
0: It's a good segue to to precisely AI, right? We're trying to regulate AI. We're trying to regulate the technologies and not their application or interfaces, et cetera. We've talked about that in the past as well. Shouldn't you focus on the interfaces and the apps, right? Shouldn't you focus on what can AI do rather than what is AI? And we know regulators are not well-educated in technology understanding. I mean, they can't be, that's not their role. Just applying it to technology is not the way to go, right? Understanding what the implications are, understanding what the use cases are, understanding what the interfaces are, and then having some regulation and boundary conditions around that, I do feel is necessary. Hopefully, better thoughts will prevail.
1: I certainly think it's way too early. It's going to hurt the economy. It's going to hurt innovation. My take is some winners will be the countries who are regulating less, not more. And that's a danger because it means it won't be innovation in the US or in Europe, but it might be in other places. And maybe one point, I personally think at this stage, regulating AGI before it even happens is kind of crazy and i'm very very sad to see some people creating fear uncertainty and doubt it's not a new thing i think it's way too early it makes uh, strictly no sense we have some really really more scary things that could happen before we think about agi
0: we'll have the vision pro next year which we've discussed in the previous episode as well and spatial computing you think it's going to be the rise of spatial computing next year or it's going to be just we're all going to be marveled but still not at scale
1: It's clearly not at scale. I mean, the price is very expensive at 3.5k USD before taxes. It's super expensive for something. It's not clear there is value for most people. There is value, uh, just to be clear. I believe there will be some value. But the question is how much for how many people, which segment. It will have to be very significant value given that price point. So I think it's more in some ways, some baby steps towards a bigger role for special computing and VR in general. I mean, special computing is a word used by Apple to <laughs> not say VR. They probably believe, for maybe good reason, that it has some bad communication, VR, AR. So, But at the end of the day, it doesn't truly really change what it means. I'm excited. I think there will be more competition, there will be more innovation in the space once Apple is a clear player and you, you see what you can do with it. So I will call it more a, a developer year, maybe. But I have some hopes that in the next three, five years, it will have more significant impact. As big an impact as mobile, I don't think so, but a significant impact, at least for some geographies and some use cases at some point. Another point, uh, we just got the second flight of SpaceX uh, Starship. Pretty exciting, but it's sad, honestly, to see how the mainstream press treated that. Like, oh yeah, it just exploded after a few minutes showing either a clickbait approach or a lack of understanding of what's going on. You have to make trial and errors. So there's never big new rockets working without that. If it was not a pass you have to go through then everybody will already be there, I guess. So it's impossible to simulate perfectly everything that happened in these extreme conditions. We simply don't have enough data to model that properly. So it's normal, it's a cost of doing business. So I would say you have more to congratulate each time it's going better. And I think this second flight uh, seemed to have done uh, way better than before because it went to separation between the launcher and the starship itself. So I would say exciting times. And I think maybe 2024 might be the year where the cost of space has been transformed dramatically. I mean, we are talking about that 10x range. We will see exactly where it lands. But if you have a 10x difference in the cost of space, many things will be different. It will be new startups, new ventures, new opportunities. It's going back to the moon. It's going back to Mars at some point. So personally, I'm pretty excited and I'm looking forward to see uh, sometime in, probably in twenty four um, a successful Starship. And from there, I guess improvements will be swift.
0: Absolutely exciting times. I mean, space exploration, etc. cetera. And if all else sadly goes to hell, and we mess up the whole AGI thing, then hopefully we won't take the AI agents with <laughs> us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't take the AGI aboard uh, Starships, but given the AI inside uh, every Tesla car, maybe there will be big AI. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll just stick it with us. Yes, <laughs> Maybe they will just leave us and uh, who
0: knows. So same question for 2024. The, what's your expectation? Is it going to be positive, marginally
1: positive, negative, neutral
0: versus this year?
1: I will say I'm quite hopeful that from a pure technology perspective, we will see more and more progress, more progress in AI, more progress in space, access to space, through starships, and the Vision Pro really changing the landscape and its competitors changing the landscape in uh, visual spatial computing and, and VR. On the macro side, I'm probably more concerned about where it goes.
0: Agreed with you. I think on the tech side, In terms of core technologies, in terms of the venture capital, entrepreneur, startup landscape, public markets in general. I think very hopeful and looking forward to a positive year. But on the macro side, who the hell knows what's coming next? And I I just hope nothing. I just hope nothing and that the current cloud fix gets sorted. Uh, Just nothing. Nothing would be great.
1: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, what it means is let's keep building (laughs) and focus on building cool stuff because this is working as long as it's not overregulated. Let's hope for the best for the rest. So this concludes our episode 50 around what happened in 2023. We talk about the positives the negatives and what we would expect to happen in 2024 from a macro perspective and from a tech perspective. Overall, 2023, maybe better than expected. 2024, certainly big hopes in terms of technology evolution, but big questions on the macro side. Thank you, Nino. Thank you, Bertrand. You can
0: check the latest on our website, Decipheredshow.com. You can connect with us on Twitter at B. Schmidt and at Angie Pedro. As a disclaimer, these are our own opinions. We're not representing the views of any company.
1: If you enjoyed the show, subscribe, give us five stars, or leave a review on Apple Podcast app or your favorite app, which will help other people to discover tech decipher. Thank you for listening. See you next time.